0: everyone and welcome to this week's on the spot i'm zach strickland director of freight market intelligence with me as always john paul Hampstead, director of passport research and here we are going to talk about what's going on in those freight markets uh, you know what has happened and a little bit of what we're expecting coming up so jp what Not are great. you what are you hearing this week
1: um, well we saw spot rates go up again um, across the country for drive van truckload like you said, I think before the show, a little bit of a false positive on tender rejections. So we saw those spike back up over 27%. Pull back a little bit, still above 26%. I mean, still really strong. You know, there are a couple of markets that have definitely softened perceptibly, right? But um, you know, it's always hard to tell like how how much they should be coming down, right? right. We we know that shippers have been been paying more and raising contract rates kind of across the board since september so like you know the fact that they haven't come down more really shows um you know how constrained capacity is right and just and just um how tempting the spot market can be but I, i i think that like honestly we might have seen the ceiling on uh tender rejections i don't think that just because we're about to go into November, December, we necessarily see more. We didn't in 2018, for example. Right. Um, Now, I think we're earlier in the capacity cycle than we were
0: in November, December of 18. Yeah, people were already like adding capacity and trucks like crazy, and uh, probably by mid 2018, we saw the tender rejection rate really start to fall down uh, dramatically after being, you know, right around where we are right now, the first part of the year.
1: Yeah, and like, you know, there's been data that's come out, I think, from FTR. Avery, your uh, vice, has written about this. But, you know, we have seen a lot more um, authorities being issued by the FMCSA, right? Right. In uh, the DOT. Like, but there's a really good reason to think that that's mostly owner-operators striking out on their own, people leaving company fleets. Um, we haven't seen any large fleets uh, successfully add... Uh, capacity at least to their over the road fleets. I think JB Hunt um, grew dedicated a little bit yep but uh, you know we're still seeing like fleets start to announce you know sign-on bonuses and pay increases. they're, they're getting serious
0: about um, seeing their you know trying to see their trucks, right yeah, and they've, they've had a lot of trouble recruiting. I mean you can't you can go and buy as many trucks as you want. if you can't fill the trucks with drivers then it's it's a pointless endeavor.
1: Yeah, and so I, like I, I do think that we're, we're very early on uh, as far as the capacity cycle goes. I think uh, someone, who was it, said that we're uh, three. We're in the third inning of capacity. Uh, I like the baseball analogy. <laughs> yeah, I want to say it was Hunt, but I, I can't remember exactly. Um, it was a publicly traded uh, truckload carrier. So.
0: I don't know if it's the third inning, you know, I'm, I'm not a baseball guy. Well, they're buying trucks again. I mean, we saw that they bought a ton of vans and trailers uh, here in the previous months. You know, drop trailers, obviously a very popular way of, you know, managing your capacity without being able to add drivers um, if you can manage the trailer pool and obviously the shippers have to have the space. but. You know, we did see truck orders, class eight orders come up significantly uh, in the last month. So people are adding capacity at this point.
1: People are adding capacity. One of the things that we've learned from working with Reliance Partners um, on a lot of their uh, insurance, uh, commercial vehicle insurance premium data, is that 2019 actually took out all of the capacity that was created in 17 and 18 and then some. Wow. And so it was actually a much more profound event than people realize. And that that we're adding carriers now is great. I, you know, I don't know that we're how much
0: capacity we've actually added or how many drivers we've actually added. Let me ask you this. Do you think that people are going to be a little bit more hesitant after just being burned in 2017 and 18 and then going into a very stable 19? No.
1: <laughs> I, I, no, because there are too many actors in the, in the market. Okay. It's not a, It's not like a... A cartel where like people can all agree on what the price should be, and that's what it is. Like, it's near perfect competition. There are people who think they have an edge in the market and can exploit it, and then you multiply that times you know 100,000, and you have overcapacity. Right. Um, so I, 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 mean, maybe some of the bigger guys will try to control costs for longer, right? But you know, if you think about shippers complain about being subject to the freight market or brokers complain about being subject to the freight market, Um, you know, carriers are subject to the driver market. Right. Right. Um, And that, that doesn't that's not going to change.
0: Right. And speaking of drivers, you know, we're coming up on peak season and you said that you don't expect tender rejection rates to go up much higher than they are right now. Now, I I think that they're going to go up just simply because of the fact it's not going to be because of some macro capacity situation or anything like that. It's simply due to the fact that carriers put boundaries around their drivers and they try to get them home for the vacation or for, you know, home time and whatnot. We had to do it, you know, back in the day. And you have to it's a struggle to get. You know your employees where they need to be uh, in the timely manner, and then you have all this extra, you know, focus on service because the freight that's moving during that period of time typically has a little bit more urgency uh, assigned to yep. it. Yep. And I think that we're going to see some of that impact, and we're going to see tender rejection rates start to increase here in the next week or so. Do I think that it's going to double? No, it's we're not going to go up to a 50% tender rejection rate by any means, but. There should be some level of influence. You know, we talked to Zach Rogers, uh, one of the developers of the LMI, Logistics Managers Index. He tends to feel the same way. He thinks that we're going to see kind of a hump, but not necessarily this doubling down like you see in years past when the market is relatively stable. You know, 2019, we had a 5% rejection rate. It shot up to about 10 to 11%. And then around Christmas, it got all the way up to 14%. And that's simply because drivers come off the road. Yeah, it's not like we didn't see a surge of demand. It was more of a supply side situation.
1: Yeah, and there's and uh, you know the freight matching problems become that much more com- complex, yep. right? When you have those constraints on on where the driver can go, um, you tend to see more empty miles being run. You tend to see more, uh, you know, last minute repowers and just you know issues and you know, in the worst case scenario, you know, plane tickets. Um right. To get people home but it's really important you know especially in a market like this it's it's yeah i i agree with what you're saying because i think especially in a market like this carriers do have to take care of their drivers they do have to you know treat them well and try to retain them and show you know show that they understand how important they are um let's talk a little bit about you know a little bit further upstream what's happening on the ocean and some interesting uh patterns that you've noticed with regards to surface transportation out of California and uh, what's happening
0: on the ocean, yeah, so you know obviously we watched the import situation here and we've watched the imports specifically into Los Angeles really get more connected to surface transportation, specifically trucking this year because uh, the rail the rails haven't been as responsive as they have in the past because they shut down a lot of their you know capacity uh, anticipating you know not necessarily a strong resurgence in freight volumes uh, but container volumes not carloads container volumes shot back up And they weren't able to handle a lot of that capacity. And a lot of that got diverted to the truck. And we talked about this in uh, weeks past about how the fuel surcharge or the uh, peak season surcharges were in place. We're simply just saying, like, don't put your freight on our rail uh, right now. And a lot of that went to the trucks. Now, out of Los Angeles, this is a big deal because freight moving more than 500 miles, which the majority of the Los Angeles freight does. Uh, tends to impact, have more of a detrimental impact to capacity in that market than just about anywhere else in the country.
1: Right, because it's harder to get the, you know, there's already a lack of inbound freight to L.A. from the interior of the country. And the further out you are, just the harder it is to to find L.A. to to get back
0: in any kind of timely fashion. Exactly. And so so an, an interesting development that's occurred over the last, I would say, month or so. We've watched those imports coming into Los Angeles start to decline. Now, they're still up year over year. Uh, by a decent chunk. But we're seeing that trend kind of shift. So shippers aren't bringing in as much freight as they were back in September. And that's really the start, that was like the peak amount of volume that we were seeing coming into that port. And we kind of watch freight volumes muddle around that period of time. And they've stayed flat while the volumes, the imports have come down. And a lot of that reasoning, we think, is due to the fact that there's such a strong backlog of freight sitting around the ports. Yeah,
1: yeah. So, uh, full containers sitting at the ports. Um, You know, there's been issues with getting labor in the translating facilities, right, to convert, for example, um, you know, 40s into 53s, Mm -hmm. things like that, or or into drive-in trailers. Um, And, and yeah, I mean, I think warehouse utilization is is well up as well. So, you know, that, that. and that actually makes sense. I mean, that, that's that's more of like a typical seasonal effect. Like you would expect, upstream modes to cool off ahead of a holiday period, right? Before you know your final mile, before you know certainly before parcel, right? right? Which is which should be the, kind of the last thing to, right. to cool off. Um, so that's I mean that's really interesting. A, a few weeks ago, everyone was sort of saying that they didn't expect for example, you know, intermodal to cool off in December like it normally does because all the containers are still hitting the ports. Maybe, maybe, you know, they're all in customs now. Right. But but intermodal is still rocking. Yep. Even though, um, yeah, so I I think that's an interesting story. And we'll see how long that can really fuel uh, surface
0: transportation out of L.A. Yeah, I think think the the real takeaway here is that it is starting to slow down, even though you may not be able to see it just yet on the surface side. Uh, you know, we did see rail surcharges, or, you know, uh, spot rates for intermodal shipments going from Los Angeles to Chicago, the largest lane in the uni- United States for rail. Uh, they came down significantly. Mike Distal actually t- tipped me into that one uh, here just this past week. So they, fall- they fell significantly. That means that the rails are able to handle a little bit more. I'd be interested in
1: seeing what, um what Houston uh, OTBI starts looking like. I know it's I know it's
0: been soft a little bit, but The rejection rates are down around 13, uh, percent which is one of the lowest in the country right now.
1: Right. I, I just think that's fascinating because I was we were looking at some of the import data by company, and you know it's one of the interesting things that we discovered is that Amazon and Walmart are not really competing head to head for ocean capacity because right? they go through different. Yeah, they've decided providers. to... I mean, they're locking up capacity on, on competing lanes, you, right. you might say, but they're not They're not going head-to-head on the same vessels or the same services, right? So, so, like, 65% of Amazon's imports go through L.A. and Long Beach. About the same percentage um, for Walmart go through Houston and Savannah. Right. And, and Nor- Norfolk as well, I believe. Um, they're kind of... And so, you know, does L.A. stay hotter longer? Because... <laughs> You know, Amazon's got maybe a faster velocity through through its network than Walmart. I don't really know. Um, I, I, I'd see, I think the question's really interesting. I mean, they almost both have similar distribution
0: like footprints. Right. Well, they would have to for the you know the style of freight that they're moving.
1: <laughs> well, the style of freight they're moving, how big they are, how much of the area they need, they want to cover like quickly in a way, yeah. and um, but that, that's something we're going to look into, is just sort of,
0: you know, where does the freight from these ports go, and how fast does it get to where it's going? Yeah, and, uh, you know, of course, COVID cases back on the rise again, uh, you know, an interesting thing will be to see just how that impacts freight movements. I mean, and not just in the way that I think we're kind of at this Already saturated pipeline for all this freight to move throughout the United States. Uh, we saw that COVID doesn't necessarily have, you know, it has a sh- short-term increase impact on freight movements, as we saw in March. Um, and then, obviously, we're going through this adaptive phase, uh, still with a lot of supply chain movement uh, going on, but. You know, what do you think some of these cases, I mean, especially as we're hitting the holidays, if we have another resurgence, the way that we did in March, now policies are gonna be different at this point in time, but do you think that we're gonna see that kind of combine and have a double wave effect?
1: That's a good question. I mean, you know, what what happened in March and April, we had a lot of panic. We had a lot of very uh, draconian business closures and we had, you know, this you know, huge consumer um, pantry raid, right? I don't necessarily think that an event like that will happen because I think the American public has learned a lot about COVID, but I do think that uh, increasing rates of infection are going to perpetuate the distorted consumer behavior that, that have, that's been to the benefit of freight um, yeah. for longer. I mean,
0: I think the vaccine will eventually start correcting that, but it'll take a while. Yeah, so I mean, there's there's still a lot of questions going on about you know all this uncertainty as we call it. Uh, we did get a sort of decision in the election, so some policies are going to start to have uh, you know at least be settled in, and you know we still have peak season to deal with. So there's still a lot going on right now, uh, a lot to figure out. Uh, we only have you know what two more a month and a half left in 2020. Yeah, six weeks. <laughs> so uh, is 2021 going to be better? It, I don't it
1: know. still <laughs> feels kind of like March in a way, but right. I, apparently it's. Mid,
0: mid-November. mid Yeah, well, that'll do it for this week's On the Spot. Thank you for watching and be sure to check us out on FreightWaves.com and download the FreightWaves TV app. Everybody have a great week.